0: Remembering the great DJs of radio, it's Radio Greats with the Live Luke.
1: This time on Radio Greats, I'm joined uh, by someone who has spent the best part of 26 years on the airwaves from stations up and down the country from Power FM in Southampton to um, a couple of stints on Capital Radio. Um, and also Choice FM. He's now hosting uh, Friday nights on Greatest Hits, and as well as that, um, also Drive on Magic Soul. And uh, I look forward to learning a bit more about his life in
0: this podcast. But before I do, Des Paul, how do I find you today? You find me. You find me just looking out the window. Actually, I'm down in Surrey, which is where I live, and um, the sun is shining. It's, it's uh, summer's sort of officially begun. So yeah, we're good. Well, I, I will just say this, Des. You are the first, officially, you are the first Power FM
1: jock I've got on Radio Greats.
0: Well, and you know, as I'm sure you're aware, Power FM had a lot of good people go through it over the years. Uh, and there are some notable names who worked in the famous Tin Shack of Dreams just off Junction 9 of the M27.
1: Well, Des, 26 years in the radio business. How was it you got the radio
0: bug? I got, got the radio bug in a kind of... Uh, various different ways all roads were leading to the same thing so when I was growing up I was um used to spend a lot of time with my cousins who lived uh, quite near me and they were DJing and my uncle and his family used to have some big uh, parties um, from the Caribbean and um, we used to have these big Caribbean parties house parties and stuff and there was always a sound system there and my cousins were DJing and in those days I had an all-in-one sort of two turntables and a mixer and I remember, I remember just like being fascinated by the by, but then playing a lot of calypso music and reggae music, and just seeing what they were doing. So that was one element of it. And then just listening to the radio at home, as you do. And it's I'm really interested in music, but now I started to think, well, oh, quite interested in how all this sort of stuff happens. And then. You know, when I I was talking about my cousin's stuff, I was sort of 14, 15. And then at 16, I went and lived in New York. And I lived with family, my uncle in New York. And um, I listened to a lot of radio in New York and taped it. So I spent the whole of the summer of 1989 in New York City. And I taped hours and hours of radio from uh, stations there, which uh, back then was Hot 103, which is now Hot 97, uh, and, and other radio stations. And in New York and in American radio in the late 80s, they were on their game in such a big way. They had so much energy that technically was it was very tight. It was lots of compression. It just sounded loud. It was basically the footprint for what Capital became in the 90s. Uh, but that's what American radio was doing in the 80s. Now, American radio, 60s, 70s, 80s, really was sort of paving the way for for how commercial radio should be. And the energy was incredible. And I remember I was, you know, I grew up on Capital, uh, with Capital being in, born in South London and going to America for a summer, taping all this music and radio, coming back, playing it, and then listening to Capital. And at that time, it's like, wow, this is good, but it hasn't got any of the energy because the American radio was just so loud. And there's, you know, there's a DJ called um, Bill Lee, Broadway Bill Lee, who's got quite a following now on on social media. But his thing was that all his links were rhyming couplets and he used to do drive on um, Hot 103 and it's just so cool and so tight, you know, in between all all the ads and he was running vocals into the ads and the, the segues and everything. It was just, yeah, inspirational. And like, like anything you're interested in, if you're really interested in it, uh, you start to break it down. You start to work out how it happens. How do you do that? How do you do this? And, you know that's kind of how it started. So that yeah, back back then in um in the late eighties.
1: Well, it's funny you mention American radio because uh, someone showed me um a video not that long ago of um it was an American jock uh how, mm. how he was just going into uh cameos word up and mm. just how quickly he was speaking. It was just even even with. I think it was a jingle beforehand, and then he spoke, and then it goes straight into the first uh, first words of
0: um, f- first words of word up, and it's just, how
1: do you do that?
0: Well, yeah, and and that's I mean, there's plenty of stuff on YouTube now. If you, if you search uh, Broadway Bill Lee or WQHT uh, 1988 or 1989, there's some um, uh, video that was shot in the studio. Now, bear in mind, in those days, this was before anything digital. So they were playing all their music off cart. It wasn't even CD or it wasn't vinyl. They just had carts for everything. And those carts, there were there were no physical digital timers to tell you how long stuff was. You just, you, I mean, you knew the duration, but you didn't know how long the intros or anything like that were. You just had to know the music, know the production and make it all work. And clearly you could pre-fade it and do it before you did it on air, but you really were thinking all the time about how to make it tight. And that's what, we brought into commercial radio primarily in the late 80s, early 90s, and that shaped stations like Capital to become, you know, that big American voiceovers, big sound, huge processing, uh, and as you say, running everything into the vocals, keeping it tight, you know, and those are the different—that's just different elements of of production that you were bringing to what you were doing on it. From
1: the top of the World Trade Center, one hundred three point five, WQHE New York. Ha ha ha, ha. One hundred three from the center, center, center of the air check universe. Which we appreciate New shoes. Oh, that point of no return! Don't you love it, New York?
0: It's hot one hundred three.
1: So you mentioned the 90s there and Mm. 1996, your first break comes along in the form of Power FM in Southampton. So how was it the Power gig came about?
0: In the early 90s, I've come back to the UK after being in America uh, and I was DJing basically for um, mates of mine. And I was doing um, mobile DJs, uh, mobile DJing and working with some club DJs and that kind of thing uh, in South London. Um, I was sharing a flat with a guy called um, Peter Saint, and uh, he said to me, oh, my brother's involved in a little charity radio station. I don't know whether you fancy um, getting involved. And this was late 1991. So, so yeah, absolutely. up the road for me in Cheam, and it was a little RSL, and it was one of the sort of first FM RSLs back then, four weeks up to Christmas, raising money for charity. And they were looking for volunteer radio presenters. So they wanted people to... Um, do a little demo tape and and go from there. So I um, did a tape and uh, I borrowed my mate's uh, mobile DJ setup, um, recorded, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of links, badly edited cassette to cassette, um, gave it to Tre- uh, Peter, gave it to his brother Trevor, who then passed it on to a guy called Nick Simmons, who back in, the, in those days used to uh, work at AA Roadwatch, was involved in the, um, uh, in the setup of the radio station. And... Um, Got a call it saying, "Yeah, be great to get you on board. You know, could you do um, evenings and whatever?" And it's like, "Yeah, absolutely. I'll, obviously, I could do whatever you want, but yeah, I'll I'll do evenings." And uh, there was another guy who was working on that station called Tim Vine, who is also a local team resident. Who was a few years older than me, and at that time was just starting his stand up career. And it was our, but um, also another guy on there called Simon Thomas, who uh, used to be on Sky as Sky Sports. Anyway. Th- three of us and a load of other people worked on this radio station in 91 up to Christmas raised. I think uh, I'm pretty sure we raised like a hundred grand. We raised a lot of money and it was a lot of money. Now it was a lot of money back then uh, considering it was just in cheap. And then that came to an end. And then that was that. And I had a day job at the time um, working in uh, a job center, actually in the job center and I still sort of DJing on the side. And then that RSL came around again in 1992 and in 93, I did it all three of them. And then after the third one, uh, one of the guys, um, who we'd met through it, a guy called Russell holding asked me whether I'd be involved in, um, in something that he was doing, uh, in Sutton, which is not far from, from where I was living at the time. And that was a community radio station, which was broadcasting on a cable TV network. So basically back then what you did was you went to channel, whatever it was. And on there was a radio station. And, uh, Again, it was a community thing. It was voluntary, but I did evenings on there for three years. I worked with some amazing people um, and really cut my teeth on there um, because I was doing a regular daily show and coming up with content, learning how to get my own style and not sound like a sort of really poor sort of capital ripoff because that's what I was listening to and it influenced what I was doing, but I needed to find my own identity And um, they went for a FM license, which is now the one that Radio Jackie has. But they went for that license application, got to the last two, didn't get it. So all sort of closed down in the summer of 96. And I sent out. And at that point, I was uh, still working in an office and I was doing this uh, show, four shows a week, you know, voluntarily. And I enjoyed it, but it was like, I need to get somewhere. I need to move to the next level. I can't keep doing this. The whole point is I need to make this, you know, I need to give this a go and get professional, get a gig. And um, back then there was a uh, book by what is now um, offcom but it was the Radio Authority back then, uh, called the uh, Radio Authority Handbook or Radio Authority Book. And it basically listed every commercial station in the country, what their address was, who the program controller was, what their format was. Now, I'd grown up with Capital, so I was like, okay, well, I know Capital, but I'll, I'll uh, so I put together a tape. I basically sent one to Capital, one to Red Dragon, one to BRMB, one to Power FM, one to Southern FM. Uh, so I sent five tapes out. Uh, Capital gave me the, uh, thanks very much, we'll keep you on file, but no thanks. Um, I don't think I ever heard anything back from um, Red Dragon FM. BRMB came back and said, like your stuff, send us another demo. So did Southern. And then Power FM um, sent me a letter saying, um, coming for a chat. So I, uh, drove down to Fairham where power FM was based, um, in a borrowed car, uh, went and had a chat with Steve power. Who's the, the PD there at the time. He said, yeah, I like your style. I like style. You know, I liked what there was one particular link in my demo tape that had really sold me to him. And, um, uh, he said, "Look, I'll be in touch. And then a Saturday night came up a couple of months later. Said, Fancy coming down, and doing it, did the Saturday night. And, um, then asked me back for another one and I got a contract. So, and it was really weird because I remember signing my first contract thinking I've done all this work up to this point to become professional. Now I've done it. And now what? Um, And that's sort of where the journey at power FM began.
1: Well, getting that contract, can you remember Mm. the first uh, proper show then you did for power FM?
0: I can't, I can't remember the date. I do have the log somewhere, uh, but it was um, basically September 1996. And um, I had been down to see the station to meet Steve uh, a few weeks beforehand. And then he'd said, you know, come down Saturday night uh, uh, to do this show, seven till midnight. And the format was very similar to Capital. Now, at the time, I'd also volunteered at Capital as a, as a, uh, for Help Along the Child, which was their in-house charity. And I was basically uh, phone bashing for them when they did big events. But also it got us into the building and we got to meet the presenters and I'd got to know some of the presenters and um, people like Neil Long, Neil Fox, who's all guys who have actually grown up locally to me. And so i had been into the studio and i had done a bit of TO, technical operating work on the desks. So I knew how the desk work. I knew the setup. So Power FM have the same desks as Capital, these big old MBI uh, mixers, uh, cart machines and CD cart players. So I knew the technical side of it and i was i'm you know quite a technical person in that respect so going into the to power to do that first show technically wasn't too much of an issue but clearly i was nervous because this is my first professional gig so i played the first three tunes all that's gone all right and then i've got to talk and i just remember opening the mic and having my headphones up just that little bit too loud and there's this tiny bit of feedback and i'm like oh god where's the headphone button you know to turn the volume down a little bit and i'm just like hello this is des paul and you know it's and then once you do the first one, you're okay. But um, it you know uh, on a Saturday evening in a radio station, there are not a lot of people in the building. And uh, Rick Jackson was on before me. He's a very good friend of mine. Me and Rick have you know known each other nearly thirty years now. And he was the first other presenter that I met at Power FM because he was on air before me. We're both the same age, pretty well by a couple of months. Uh, I was 23 back then and Rick was on before me and he said, listen, mate, I'd love to stay and make sure that you're all right for your first link and everything, but I've got to go because I live on the Isle of Wight and I need to get back to Portsmouth and get a ferry over to the Isle of Wight. But, you know, you know how the desk works, right? Yeah. Okay. This is how the ads work. Great. And that's how the phones work. Uh, okay, cool. So all of that I'm, I'm all right with. And he said, whatever you do, just, you know, don't push that blue button on the mixer. Oh. Well, what does that do? You just don't push that. Well, okay. And then he went off. And um, I remember like, just looking at his mixer and thinking, what does that button do? And bless Rick, he rung me up uh, on the XD, XD direct line as the studio that night and just said, oh, mate, sounds really good. And whether he meant it or not, it didn't matter. But for somebody to, to bother to do that and just put you at ease so that you just thought, oh, I'm not making a complete mess of this um but yeah that was my my first show at power fm in 1996
1: i've got to ask did you ever find out what the blue button was in the end
0: <laughs> yeah i do know what the blue button was in the end if you really want me to bore you with it i could tell you that that was one of the outside source um uh, uh selection so basically one one of the one of the channels on the desk could do 10 different things and you had a load of red buttons above it that told the channel what the different sources were and the blue button cancelled them all out so, if I hit the blue button, all I'm going to do is cancel whatever that outside source is, whether it's the news or whatever. So, it was a good idea not to push that. Power in the park, 103.2, Power FM. On the South's number one hit music station. 103.2, Power FM. So, less than a fortnight to go to the South's biggest summer concert. And it's free as well. What a bonus that is. So Monday morning, our breakfast returns 6 o'clock tomorrow. More chances to win tickets to the World Cup. Details about that later. Right now, our top ten at ten. We're turning about the clock. Six years, 1992. Ten of the best from then and from 92. The biggest selling album of that year, Simply Red and stars.
1: Your first show was, went went to success and um, so you started off doing Saturday nights uh, at Power and then you were also, am I right in thinking you you hosted every show at Power except one, that being Breakfast?
0: Yeah, over my time I did do that. I didn't, I mean, the, it was, yeah, the only one I didn't do was Breakfast um, and I didn't do any overnights, but I did all the, I uh, did mid-mornings, afternoons, I used to cover Drive, uh, evenings and then... And a bit of Lates as well. So, yeah, I I did um, most shows on that station. But, you know, back then, Capital had just bought Power FM and Ocean FM, uh, which were in the same building. And um, they'd brought in a whole load of new presenters. I I was part of that team. And we were all around the same age in our early 20s, all very, very hungry to make good, exciting, fun radio. We had a lot of energy between us. We got on, um, and there we were. We had good bosses who were very focused about what we, you know, what they wanted the station to do, what they wanted us to do, and that when you when you're like that, I've always equated being in radio to being in sport and being part of a team and all that sort of thing. And we were a good team, and we were playing in a you know a good league. And uh, when you see the results coming in, that just makes you better and better. And when you're going out and you're 23 years old, and we're going clubbing and partying and everything in the area, um. Everything sounds much better on air because when you talk about other presenters and what's going on, it feels like a tight big family unit. And and listeners certainly back then they really gravitated towards that. And those big commercial stations like Power and Key 103 and BRMB, you know, you're a big fish in a in a in a small pond and it was a great place to be. Uh I stayed there eight years. And uh Also, I mean, you you mentioned about
1: um, sport sport and that, because I I did one with Russ Williams not that long ago, and he was saying about Richard Park, how uh, every conversation, if it was radio, he'd always throw in football references about uh, who he'd see as the striker and the midfielder on uh, Capital. But um, also on the subject of sport, um, and, and as well as being at power, am I also right in thinking you presented a couple of shows down at the Red Dragon Centre in Cardiff.
0: <laughs> yes, I did. I um I presented uh I did drive cover at Red Dragon um for a little while. So I used to do mid-mornings at Power FM. I'd finish at 12:57 and hit the uh ad break going into the news and then I was in my car by 12:59 uh to get on the M27 and up to the m thirty-four, and then all the way uh, and then m4 down to um cardiff to do drive so i had three hours between finishing at um, Fareham to get to cardiff and then did drive four till seven and then uh, back to um uh, hampshire where i was living at the time money money, money. it's everywhere. The guns is everywhere find it keep it £25,000, one prize, one winner. Finders Keepers, coming soon to Red Dragon.
1: So in the eight years you were with Power, what was your highlight?
0: Oh, there are many. I mean, it depends. Listen, Power FM was certainly the most fun uh, time of my life in uh, radio, I think, for a number of reasons. And it's down to the fact that I was young, uh, didn't really have any responsibilities. I'd, you know, we, we were all sort of thrown together and really good mates and it was it was a lovely area it's a lovely part of the world to live as well by the coast and all that and it was a good time in music we were a hot station you know the format was um hotter than capital was at the time lots of new music very vibey we were going head-to-head with radio one in some respects you know with uh, lots of dance music and things like that which is my bag um so there were there were many many highlights working there but uh, the big headline events for sure we did um power in the park which is the the big annual uh party in the park event and you know we had so in the late 90s early 2000s um we had the rise of the uk garage movement and a lot of that was driven by the artful dodger and craig david who are famously from southampton and we were working with them from the start you know mark hill and pete and craig are still mates of mine now um and we had the Artful Dodger recording their album in the studios at power FM. They would finish a track and Mark would bring me the, uh, unmastered track, just literally out of the studio on a dat tape. And I would queue it up and I'd just play it on my evening show and literally have the first play of that track and Craig's album born to do it, which is a, you know, incredible album. We had all the first plays of those records and all that kind of thing to be part of that moment is just something else and uh, you know br- brilliant brilliant memories having them on power in a park in Southampton 100,000 people there when you go out on stage in front of 100,000 people that's as close as I'm ever going to get to being a rock star um, and it's uh, it's an amazing feeling so doing that was absolutely one of uh, my you know highlights of my time Thursday morning at 103.2 Power FM the South's number one our top ten at ten today then well we've had five songs so far from 1993 we've got five more on the way Uh, UB40 Can't Help Falling in Love Sybil When I'm Good and Ready M People's One Night in Heaven Robin S Show Me Love and the Spindogs do you remember that Two Princes that was a great song wasn't it so I hope your Thursday's going okay I'll give you details a bit later about how you could have some brand new car keys very soon to a brand new Ford Pure humour, and also how you could be at the Prince's Trust concert on Sunday as well. What is the uh, difference between uh, David Beckham and a tyre repair kit without any adhesive? I don't
1: know,
0: Rick. Uh, one's a glueless kit. The top ten at ten.
1: When you, you were talking about uh, the capital buying Power FM out, and um, this actually... Uh, sort of ties in because um, after Power uh, was brought up by Capital um, and Capital, you, of course, grew up listening to. it's. Mm. Uh, we could say it's the jewel in the crown of local radio. Mm. Um, you were asked to go and host shows on Capital. And I, I've got to ask, was... Mm. How, how did that happen?
0: So I, I was doing Capital and Power um, for quite a while. And uh, there were a few of us. There's a guy called Dan Gasser, who you'll find on Radio X nowadays. And Dan and I are very tight. We've known each other, you know, 30 years now. So basically, Capital had various cover uh, presenters and myself and Dan were a couple of them. So they would carve up um, late shifts and overnights between me and Dan. And so I do, you know, do a show uh, power and then just drive up to town and and do um a show on capital for uh, leicester square and it was brilliant and um so i i was getting to do what i'd always wanted to do which is to present on capital because that was the station for me that's what i'd grown up with and it was the dream to play for them or be on the station you know you'd say Parky talks about football for sure he was the alex ferguson at that time in in radio running the man you you know a uh, team of dreams and to be part of that was was really good, really good. You're never going to miss the buzz of walking into Leicester Square and walking into a studio and turning a microphone on and knowing you're, on, you know, and saying this is Capital FM London and knowing that that it's one of the biggest radio stations in the world and you're at the controls. So I was lucky enough to do that. But actually, after eight years at Power, I came off air, um, and uh, they had acquired um, Choice FM at the time, which is now Capital Extra. And I came off air and went and uh, joined, uh, ch- made uh, Choice, the next move for me as head of music and was there for a couple of years before moving to MTV and going from, um, from radio to television.
1: So you leave Choice at the end of 2006, uh, but before you move into music management and TV, Am I right in thinking you go back to Capital for a
0: bit? So actually, the other way round. Oh. So <laughs> you know, it's. I mean, it's a weird thing when when I was at Choice, I was I was working in the building. I was still doing bits and pieces. I was doing a lot of voiceover work for Capital. So I was I was uh, voice of promos for quite a long time. I wasn't the station voice, but I was just doing a lot of the promos, and um, also uh, doing bits and pieces for some of the other li- little digital stations that were coming online at the time. Because I was in the building, I had the experience, you know. So um I would do that. I also did a few shows on Capital here and there covering Saturday nights and things like that. Um so I was keeping my hand in. But then I went to MTV. I was offered a role to work in the music programming team at MTV and uh, which was a great uh, opportunity to go and work for a legendary, you know, broadcasting name, uh, work in television, see how all that worked and so on. So that's what I did and Uh, I was there for a couple of years and I've still got good friends from my time at MTV that I speak to regularly now. And um, it was there that, uh, yeah, I really learned about how to make um, television programming and applying. You know, there was a lot of radio skills involved in how they programmed music TV back then. So it was a nice natural fit. So I did that for a couple of years before Capital came knocking on the door asking uh, whether i'd be interested in going back on air and dusting off my headphones
1: and um second time of capital what mm-hmm. was it
0: like brilliant uh paul jackson richard park's um, son was running capital at the time and said to me um that he would like to get me back on what uh doing a you know weekend dance show because that's my sort of bag really um what did i fancy doing and how how would i want to do it so we discussed it and i said listen i'm if I'm gonna do it, I want to be able to program it myself. Um, I'm not gonna go anything go anywhere to left field, but I know I know what you want, but at least let me program it. We'll make some mixes up, we'll have some fun with it. And that's what we did. And so my deal that I went back to and left MTV for was to do Friday and Saturday nights on Capital and then swing. So I was covering everybody when they're off apart from um breakfast uh so you know i was on capital I'd, I'd do some weeks where i'd do friday saturday night plus six other shifts and then some weeks i just do weekends but it was a really nice um way of doing things and i got to bounce around the schedule so I'd do a bit of afternoons I'd do a couple of weeks of drive do some evening stuff it's really good you know you get to be all over the station and um yeah so enjoying different formats and all of that It was good good time um so i did that for A couple of years and then um global came along and there was a change in management and uh they talked about wanting to shake up the schedule and I was offered evenings and lates they were doing a kind of weird hybrid sort of eight till midnight type um show and I, I was and I said to them I didn't want to do that uh five nights a week you know and um so we parted company on good terms which was important to me i'm very very aware you don't you know don't burn your bridges if you can really help it and you've been at capital for a very long time i've i've known ashley he was a volunteer at help alone the child as well so we've known each other personally for a very long time so it's really nice to be able to say listen you know what i know what you're trying to do i've done my time here it's not for me um but i definitely know that i will work with you in the future and thanks very much for a great ride morning at 95.8 capital fm london this is des paul through the night the capital summer of Ten Thousand tickets continues all weekend long as well we're going to pump out some of london's biggest hit songs this is gabrielle and out of reach that
1: was in um 2009 when you hand your headphones up um after uh, well after 13 years of really being in capital with power and then um moving to london and it, it was also around the time that they were starting to uh, network across the country yeah and um sort of um i think i could say sort of in hindsight would you have liked to have both stayed with capital as it was becoming a sort of national brand
0: no not really it didn't bother me um i grew up with capital being in london you know i'm a Londoner, born and bred, and um so for me as uh a lot of people in the Growing up in the 80s, Capital was the station. In London, Radio 1 didn't have any footprint whatsoever. You know, it was really interesting. When I went to Power FM, everybody either listened to Power FM or Radio 1. Uh, but in London, people listened to Capital. They didn't listen to Radio 1. It was Capital or Kiss or whatever pirates were going on. But there was never really any anything of Radio 1. The national thing wasn't part of the picture. So for me, working on Capital was working in London. It was about being on on, on the station in my home city saying we are you know Lon- london is a great city it was the, all the old sort of great music for a great city all that kind of hyperbole it was it was all that um so you know it was if they're national they're national brilliant but it's not really something that at the time i really thought about i and i'm a firm believer in walking away from things when you know it's right don't outstay your welcome and when it goes back to what park is saying about football you know you have your career and you know it's going to come to an end because you're getting older and you can't kick a ball that fast. There'll be someone younger and fitter and better than you. You know you need to know when to get out. And for me, that was the time to get out. the Gargaz, brand new trim paparazzi ahead of this from Chanel, if you love me. I'll play this for you. If you are going to be in a beef for next weekend for the head candy opening, I should be packing this in a box. Hi right, to Linda. We'll get your Agnes tune on a bit later on. Also, hello to all the night shift that he throws Sue, Joe and Team N. Hello, Hayley in Essex. Your Cascada records coming up later on tonight. Eight three nine five eight. If you want to text me, we are your summertime ball radio station. Of course, the show happens tomorrow. Tickets still coming every hour. We need to call someone back, really, don't
1: we? Capital Summertime Ball with Barclaycard. So you get to, you get out in two thousand and nine um, and have a change in uh, changing career, we should say, by um, focusing more on full time uh, with the. Mi- in music management uh, with the Ministry of Sound, but then um, ten years after you left Capital, uh, twenty nineteen Bauer Media have recently launched a brand new station in the form of
0: Greatest Hits Radio, and you're invited to uh, host a Friday night show. Yeah, so it wasn't a whole change of creative ministry. I left Capital. I sat there, went right. What am I doing? What do I want to do? You know, I spoke to a few friends of mine, one of whom was uh, the MD at Ministry at the time, a guy called Ian Hagger. And, you know, we chat. he said, come in and see us. We've got a radio station here. We don't know what to doing with it. You know, I think we could uh, we could do with your input on that. And we want to start a TV station up so we could do with your help on that. And, um, you know, you could do a bit of DJing while you here, club side of things. I'm like, OK, great. Ministry of Sound, you know, it's world's best club. Why not? So I went to ministry. I was on a, supposed to be on a three-month contract for them to do a bit of consultancy work. I was there for nearly four years and I had a brilliant time in ministry. I love Ministry of Sound. I'll always fly the flag for them. I got to be a global head candy uh, resident, which meant that I was in the office three days a week. And then I spent the weekend getting on a plane, flying to wherever, playing records, coming back again. I mean, you know, when, when it's talking about ticking every box when it comes to sort of DJing, honestly I've been very very fortunate to be able to go and do that and I've got like my thing was I wanted a stamp in every page of my passport that was what I planned to do and I did it and um I've met some amazing people all over the world who I'm still in touch with That's the one good side of social media uh, and I've had some great memories of playing in clubs literally all over the world thanks to Ministry of Sound and then I basically re built their radio station um, for, in terms of programming and all that and then uh, we launched a ministry of sound uh, TV um, digital satellite uh, channel uh, called dance Nation TV so yeah it was a, and then also I mean was, I'm thinking out about it now we did some brilliant stuff we we did a partnership brand partnership with Nissan where we created a ministry of sound Nissan Duke you'll see the odd one here and here and there they must be worth literally nothing um but they are uh, it was a, a great partnership to sort of be part of and and work with a brand like that so I, I really love ministry that and the way that they operate is if anyone in the business have got an idea let's talk about it you know if it's a good idea well, we don't know well let's try it if we like it we'll try it and that's a brilliant way to run a business they're fiercely independent and i love them for that but yeah I, I, so i was there for um, till 2012 and then basically started my business up that i run now uh 10 years ago and uh, you keep in contact with people along the way back in uh 2019 graham bryce who was an old boss of mine from my um, choice days uh he was uh, running uh ghr on the commercial side or operation side you know we we're having a catch-up in town he said fancy it dusting your headphones off and i was great graham listen the only way i'm going to do this is, is if i can do a show where I just enjoy the music that I'm playing. And, you know, I don't know where that is at the moment. I'm, I'm too old for capital or for kiss or whatever. And, um, I'm not, I don't want to be playing pop music that I, I'm not really into. Uh, so I don't know what, what, what are you thinking? And then I spoke to Andy Ashton who runs greatest hits and, um, we came up with the idea for rhythm of the night and that's how it's been. And we, you know, done nearly 150 shows and we get some incredible listener feedback, proper old school emails saying dear des i remember hearing this record in 1976 in this club blah 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 you know never underestimate the um motivation of someone to bother writing to you know really respect i really respect anyone who bothers to take five minutes to write an email just explaining why that tune has meant so much and that's you know that is what radio is about So back to the 90s, Jamiroquai and Cosmic Girl. Before that, Casey and the Sunshine Band, that's the way I like it, and Average White Band. Let's go round again. That is how we start Friday nights and the weekend. It's Rhythm of the Night. Hello, I'm Des Paul. Welcome along. Three hours of soul, funk and disco classics from the 70s, 80s and 90s lined up tonight. Lots of your requests as well. Let's start off with one for Caroline Meehan in... California, I love listening to your show. It makes my Friday afternoon. Of course, it's eight hours back, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon now, isn't it? Anyway, I'd love to hear anything by the Real
1: Thing, if possible. THR has um, been continuing to grow for the past three years. Um They've of course recently brought on uh, Martin Kemp for a Friday night, and he's. We we could say he's he's become sort of your warm up guy, hasn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I'll tell him that next time I see him. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, they've got some really good names in the lineup, as you say, working with people like Martin, you know, Pat Sharp, and and so on. Um, we did some stuff with Jackie Brown last year. She does the evening. She's brilliant. So yeah, it's a good team. It's going in the right direction. You know, there's a lot of potential with it, and it's nice to be be there as part of it in the background on a Friday night, just playing, you know, it's a hand-picked selection of records. that We we go through those 40 tunes every uh, every week. We plan about two weeks ahead of um, the show going out. We literally go through all the emails that come in and uh, make sure we embed as many listener choices as we can. That shapes what the show is about. I want people to listen to that and hear stuff that, yes, they're familiar with, but also hear tunes and, and, and genuinely go, God, you know what? I've not heard that record. I've forgotten how good that record sounds. And just move people a little bit on a Friday and get them in the right frame of mind for the weekend. And as well as
1: Greatest Hits Radio, you've also been doing uh, work for Magic Soul. You've been, uh, recently you've been taking over Drive Time, but also we we mentioned earlier about not with Power FM, you never got to host breakfast, but with Magic Soul, you have done the occasional breakfast shift as well.
0: Yeah, I have, but it's not something that I'm particularly bothered about. It's too early in the day for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a, I'm a night owl. So, you know, um daytime and evenings, yeah, that's cool. But I don't need to be getting up that early for breakfast, thanks. Um I did, and it's funny, up power I did one weekend breakfast. Oh my goodness. I didn't I didn't have any sleep. And I, I remember getting in the studio and it was I could I turned the monitors up as loud as I could, yet I was still struggling to stay awake in between the records, and I was thinking no way breakfast is not for me um but yeah doing drive on magic we've only just begun by the way it's early days i mean we're doing i'm doing drive on there at the moment and um we've got some nice little ideas to develop that so you know watch this space magic soul is very much a station after my own heart um and yeah i'm really enjoying being part of that family so it's good
1: well, I can I can tell you, Magic Soul is one of my favourite stations
0: to listen to. It's, well, look, you know what? It's great to hear that, and you know, it's um, there's there's so much we can do with Magic Soul, and it's it's good, but it could be better. And um, yeah, it's nice to to get on there every day and have that opportunity to craft the show. You know, coming up with I've got Shireen, who's my producer there. She's brilliant. with... Actually, you know, know each other from um, of old MTV, and we're just sort of throwing ideas around and seeing what we can and can't do, and within the confines of what Magic Soul is about, but also from a listener point of view and what's out there. Yeah, so it's good. Silicon. One of Motown's finest duets, I reckon: Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. The world is just a great- It's Tuesday drive time here at Magic Soul with me, Des Paul. It's going to be a largely clear night tonight. Maybe a few bits of fog in the west of England. Lows of around 10 degrees tonight. Tomorrow, much the same as today. Maybe cloudy at first, but brightening up later on. Warm, sunny and highs of 26 degrees tomorrow. Not bad. Here's Mariah Carey. We belong together. So
1: um in the past twenty-six years of being in the business, Des, what what advice would you give to anyone who's
0: trying to make a career in radio? Have a plan B. Um, I think is important. I think nowadays, you know, radio is has changed. And I don't mean that in a bad way. The world has changed. And I was very lucky to get into radio when I did, I was also very lucky to get out of full time radio and rely on that as, a, as my income, you know, to survive. When I did, um, I had some great advice when I started from someone saying you'll spend years trying to get in and then you'll spend years trying to get out. And I was like, no, don't be silly. I'll spend years trying to get in and then I'm sorted. But actually, it's very true, you know, and you do have to have you have to have something else in the background. I think nowadays um, have a plan, be determined, work hard, know your craft you know, treat it like sport or like being a musician or whatever, where you really learn every aspect of it. Because if you do that and you're constantly questioning it, constantly trying to work out how do they do this? Why do they do that? Who does that? You're just refining your game all the time. So when it does happen for you, and if you want it bad enough, it will happen. Then, you know, it will be worthwhile. Um, But I just think you just need to keep your wits about you um, and go from there, I guess. I mean, I do... One, worry that the opportunities for people are not there as much as they should be because there aren't simply the number of radio stations around anymore. And also the way that radio recruits uh, is not, I don't think, uh, necessarily as open as it should be. I think that there's too much emphasis on just bringing in um, big celebi names from TV or something like that. I still, for me, the jury is out as to whether that is the way to do things and make good radio. Um, I think there is an argument to say you develop people gradually and let the listeners go with them, but that's just an opinion that I have. So I I think fundamentally, the short answer to your question is um, just really learn your craft and, and think about what you want to get out of it and make sure you have a backup plan.
1: Well, finally, Des. Who was your radio great? Uh,
0: Okay, I can tell you my radio great really uh, was Broadway Bill Lee in America in 1989. Because even now talking to you, I can still remember listening to him, listening to, I can remember the links he was saying and the accent and everything else. And just how, how big it all sounded. When someone is sitting there going, and you're listening to it, and they're going, from the top of the Empire State Building, uh, you know, from the top of the world trade center. And and it, that sounds big in itself. Obviously capital did the same at the top of the Houston tower, even though they're only on the first we were, Well, we were on the first floor at the time, but all that sort of stuff, that exaggeration, you, you know, and talking in rhyming couplets and everything about it was just so, so cool. Um, and yeah, so I think he, he's probably the, the radio great for, for me, aside from that, it's the class of the late 80s on Capital. You know, when you talk about Pat and Mick and uh, Neil Fox, Martin Collins, they all, uh, you know, Tim Smith as well, Pete Tong was there. Everybody had their own way of doing good radio. And I sort of learnt bits from everybody. And so they've all been very influential for, for me. Uh, in different ways, and I'm, you know, very lucky to have been part of, part of that team.
1: Well, Des Paul. Thank you ever so much for joining us on this edition of Radio Greats Today.
0: Thank you, Luke. It's a pleasure and I hope to speak to you soon. And also hi to the Lim Girls, the Limington Girls, I think that is, who are on Helly's Hen Night. They're at the De Vere in Southampton on Saturday night and spent uh, most of the night, well, till five o'clock yesterday morning in the bar with Simon and Duncan from Blue. It's all right, isn't it? I'm sure that was a tough one, girls. Anyway, there we go. Right, time for my hot potato. This record, I think, will be number one. I really do hope it is. Their album is number one at the moment. I've heard this and I thought, God, it's just cracking. If you saw Robbie Williams at Nebworth, these were the people who have supported him. They've been bumped up the bills and all the festivals they've played this year. This is really kind of what you hear with Emma Scott on a Sunday night. On incoming, this is straight out of her bag. It's the darkness's new song. I believe in a thing called love.
1: Can't explain.
0: Remembering the great DJs of radio, it's Radio Greats with the
1: Live Luke.